0: May I speak in the name of the holy and blessed Trinity, one God in three persons. Amen. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. For many years, when I was younger, Remembrance Sunday bemused me. I distinctly recall wondering to myself, and knowing what I'm like probably out loud too, why I would be remembering events of what was to me then far distant history. It simply didn't mean anything to me. I hadn't been there and didn't think I had connection to anyone who had. The events I was supposed to be remembering were new to me, and I couldn't understand why I would be remembering something I thought I knew nothing about. Add to that the fact that in the 70s and 80s, numerous people were proclaiming the death knell of Remembrance Sunday, claiming that it had served its purpose, that its moment had passed, and that we could now move on into a new future, unencumbered by the sorrows of the past. When you put those two things together, it is hardly surprising that I struggle to wrap my mind around the act of remembrance. As I look back on my young self, and on the confident pronouncements of those around me. It functions as a salutary reminder. Simply because I don't understand something doesn't necessarily mean I am right to ignore it. And probably even more importantly, we should not believe everything that people say, even if possibly, especially if they say it with the utmost confidence. As time goes on our corporate act of remembrance becomes ever more poignant, ever more relevant, ever more essential. On one level the act of remembrance is about as simple as it gets. We take time in the midst of a busy, noisy world, to keep silence and to focus our often disparate and scattered thoughts for a while on those who have died and are still dying in war. On another level, however, the act of remembrance is profoundly complex. Summoning us beyond ourselves into a swirl of time and a vast web of relationship. This complex simplicity is perfectly summed up in Lawrence Binion's haunting line. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. One of the most powerful features of a service like this is that almost everyone of the people here today has a personal tale of remembrance. Some form of connection to someone or to some people who have died in war. It would take hours, maybe even days, to tell all of the stories of each of the people we have carried here in our hearts today. Some might tell of recent loss, others of a sorrow long remembered from generations past. Some would tell of parents or children, aunts or cousins, nephews or grandparents, others of friends or colleagues. Our personal individual memories crisscross the cathedral among us and between us binding us all together in remembrance. Remembrance begins with individual stories, but grows into a staggering act of corporate memory held by us all here together. We will remember them. Remembrance begins with looking backwards. We stand today with our gaze deliberately focused on the past, on events that have come and gone. Some of those events will be relatively recent. Others will be years, decades, even centuries ago. But it is vital that we continue to keep on looking backwards. As the philosopher George Santana so very famously said, those who cannot remember the past are destined to repeat it. Part of the reason that I found remembrance so difficult as a child was because my grandparents' generation didn't want to talk about their experience. And so they didn't. Because they didn't, I knew very little about it. Remembrance requires us to know what has happened in war. We can't remember something that is news to us. It is as important today as ever to make sure that the major conflicts from history and around the world today are not new news. We need to pass on what we know so that we and all future generations can remember. We will remember them. Of course, our looking backwards really calls us to look forwards to all that the future holds. Remembering is not about gazing nostalgically into the past through rose-tinted glasses wishing that things could be as they used to be. Real remembrance pulls us forwards with a firm determination not to repeat past mistakes, not to be sucked into never-ending cycles of violence and recrimination, but to live transformed lives onwards into the future. Remembrance is profoundly future-oriented Calling us to live differently and courageously. On reflection, it is no wonder that Remembrance Sunday bemused my younger self. What we are doing today is profoundly complex and it pulls us into a rich web of reflection and of relationship. We come with our own memories of individuals known to us personally or passed down through the years and join those memories with so many others present today. We come with memories of times past and through them hear the call to transform the future. Not only our future, but our children's and our children's children's future, calling us to craft a world worth living in on our own and together, through a history that calls us into the future, we gather in this moment, in the present, to remember. And there is no better service to do this in than in the service of a Eucharist, which is itself a profound act of remembrance as we remember Jesus who lived and died and rose again 2,000 years ago. We come as we are, with our individual lives and experiences, and as we come, we are bound together in Christ Jesus. As we recall those events of the Last Supper, we are called to the future, to live out Jesus' vision of a world restored and renewed. A vision in which harmony reigns and tears are white from every eye. Alone and together, looking backwards into the future, we realize that there is no time like the present. In this never to be repeated moment, we remember, and as we remember, we discover that we are not alone. We live and are loved by jesus first and last beginning and end at the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember amen